Zigzag in One, a place where we honestly discuss how to navigate the zigs and zags in our crazy lives. Expect heartwarming stories, some laughter, and maybe a few tears as we embrace life's challenges and choose joy over a momentary defeat. Today, we will hear from someone whose life has had some unexpected turns, but chose to keep moving forward. What did they learn? Some valuable life lessons. Zigs and Zags are also a part of our host, Melanie Brown's journey. She too had to find the determination to never give up. What are we waiting for? Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Melanie Brown, the host of the Zigzag in One podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. Over the last few months, I've built a friendship with today's guest. She's author and speaker Robin Luftig. Here's the thing, when you have something as significant as brain surgery in common with another person, well, (laughs) it's just interesting to share stories of what it was like to go through such an incredible experience, but also we have celebrated what God has done in each of our lives since our surgeries. Robin has been married to Lou for 14 years and together they have five children and two grandchildren. Some fun facts about Robin. She was born the first year the World Series was televised in color. And for those of us who grew up in what we thought was a small town, well, it wasn't as small as the town where Robin grew up. Only 33 people lived where Robin was raised. I bet they didn't even have one stoplight. If you've ever experienced an unexpected and life-altering challenge, you're going to relate to Robin's story. But if you haven't, what Robin learned during her 10-day roller coaster ride until her surgery will be nuggets of wisdom for you to tuck away until you face one of life's tough challenges. I'm eager for you to hear my conversation with Robin Luftig. I am so excited to have my guest Robin Luftig with me today. She and I share a lot of things in common, and we'll get to that as we move into the show. But welcome, Robin. Oh, Melanie, thank you for having me. I so appreciate this. I just ate up your book because you had such incredible information about what you have gone through and what you learned during those, that 10 days, that 10 days days that hung over you. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But the title of your book is God's Best During Your Worst. And I tell you, that is a title that will invite a reader in who has struggled with something. So let's talk about your story. Sure. Everybody has a worst, right? Everybody everybody has a worst. So it can be for anybody. My story uh, is pretty simple really I went to bed one night had a seizure and became momentarily for the evening paralyzed on my my left side no my right side I'm sorry my right side and uh, went to the hospital and the doctors found a tumor on my brain about the size of my doctor's fist and he gave me 10 later that next day I found out I would have about 10 days to get my affairs in order because they didn't know if I was going to live or die. Wow. When I read that, that feels like a death sentence, and possibly it did to you. 
that is an incredibly short time frame to process it, to understand that you're going to have to have an incredibly difficult and could be life-threatening surgery. So one of the things that struck me most was you started out your book saying, this was a moment of truth for you. I can relate to that. You had to decide if you trusted God. So talk about that for a second. I was, I was driving to a women's retreat that I was going to speak at three weeks before this, in, this event. And I'm driving in my car and I have, as other people, when they drive on road trips, you have your coffee or your drink and your goodies and your books on tape and everything ready for you. And I had turned off some praise music and I was just driving in, in silence. And I thought I prayed. I said, God, this is just a great opportunity you're giving me because I love speaking to the women. In the silence of that car, I, I, I heard God speak to me like he was right next, next to in the next seat. He said, Robin, how are you serving me if you do what you want to do anyway? And then he said, do you trust me? Oh. And you know, Melanie, I could say, of course I trust you to you or to somebody else, but you can't really scam God and you can't try to know him at all. And I had to stop and think, God, do I trust you? And I said, I don't know. It's an honest answer. It was an, oh, you can't scam God because he knows your heart. And I, I said, why can't I just talk about you, talk about how good you are, because I know he's good. And I said, and you watch my back, and we'll just call it good. Can't we just continue this? And he said, Robin, do you trust me? And I had five hours of, Robin, do you trust me? And at the, at the end of the drive, yeah, you know, of course, you know, silly me. Well, of course I, of course I trust you. Had a great retreat put that conversation out of my mind and just never picked it up again. And then I had the seizure. I was in the hospital bed in the emergency room and the doctor had just brought in a picture to show my husband and I the, the X-ray or the MRI of my brain tumor. And we, we prayed and I leaned back in my bed and I heard his still quiet voice saying, do you trust me? Mm. And I knew right then this was going to be a life altering experience that God was, God had me exactly where he wanted me, but I didn't know what that meant. And I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know what that was going to be, what was going to be required of me. I didn't know. And I think it does come down to trust. And boy, that, that is a huge question if you hear God asking you that. Because now on the flip side, you know what he's really asking of you. Do you trust him when you are put through or allowed to go through an incredibly difficult situation? Not just do you trust me when things are good and the paychecks are coming in. It's a whole different ball game when you are asked to trust God when things are totally spinning out of control and there's no way 
for you to fix it. No, this is, this is totally out of my hands. And this was a type of tumor. It was meningioma, meningioma. I said that kind of right. It's a hard, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I get it. But, I understand. <laughs> but, um, it, it happens. It's just, there's no rhyme or reason. It had grown from 10 to 12 years. So it had been a long growing tumor and it just happened to cause trouble right then. Can you look back and think 10 to 12 years ago and think of symptoms that you might've experienced that you just kind of brushed off and didn't, yeah. didn't address because you didn't think they were any big deal. Well, right. And I mean, 10 to 12 years, you go through a lot of changing that put me yes, in my thirties and forties and fifties. So there were, there were a lot of changes. A woman's life changes a lot. You've got kids coming, you got hormones going up and down. You don't, don't know what's going on with the hormones. Yeah. And then it's just, and I was asked if I had hurt, hit my head or got hurt or if there was anything that caused it, and there wasn't. It was just a thing. Well, and you're right about all the years that you talked about because women, we don't focus on ourselves, and so we might have something going on that, yeah, was an inconvenience or hurt us in some way, but if it didn't continue, then we just kind of brushed it off and thought, oh, that was kind of a quirky, weird thing. Yeah. And you just move on. So you talked about in the book, which I thought was great because it's real life. One, when you're sitting there in the bed and you've had this diagnosis given to you and you've been given the 10 days and at the end of that 10 days, we're going to have invasive brain surgery to hopefully get rid of a tumor, you started asking questions. You felt confusion and doubt. And so talk to me about that, what you went through during those first few days. Well, it was amazing because I thought it was really important to write down why I felt, what and why I felt. And the book is broken up into basically 10 chapters-ish and each one covers a feeling that I felt in that order. And it's looking back at it, my first was confusion. I was totally confused thinking about what did I do to cause this? Why did this happen? And then doubt, you know, I, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't have the strength. And then I tried to focus on what was important. And it was amazing how each one of these changed. I had trust. I, I faced trust before I faced a deeper level of heartache, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I, I had to open myself up. Okay, God, I do trust you, but then why do I hurt so bad? Why is this happening? So it was, it was a lot of conversations with God. I sought God like I had never sought before because I had 10 days, Melanie. Yes. And I had to know what I believed. You know, we can say off the cuff, yes, I believe in, in my spiritual health. Yes, I believe in an afterlife. But when you're looking 
when you're looking at it right there, you're turning the calendar pages and you know you're going to face that in three days, two days, one more day. You have to know. You have to take it to the bank. And I wasn't going to, yeah, and I wasn't going to let anything get in my way. You can't go under the knife um, for any kind of surgery without having confidence in God and his wisdom about what the outcome is going to be and also faith and hope in the doctors and nurses who are taking care of you. And not to be a spoiler for the listeners that maybe haven't listened to the podcast before, but you and I share brain surgery in common. So I know exact. I mean, I am one-to-one with every sentence that you've said so far, because when you go in knowing that somebody is going to cut into your brain and mess around in there, there's no telling what the outcome will be. And it could be death. And like you, I, I know, I feel very confident where I will land if I didn't make it. But um, when they're cutting into your brain, there's all kinds of complications that can happen where you're not the same person, not even close. Right. Right. And so you're not only trusting between life and death, you're trusting whether or not you're going to come out and be a completely different person and never have a semblance of life that is productive or um, helpful. And I don't know about you, but my fear was, is my husband and my two sons, are they going to have to then take care of me for the rest of my life? Right. Yes. Yes. I had been married for four years to my wonderful husband it was it was a challenge for him as well as me sure because he needed to come to the to the realization that if i was less than if i was going to be someone who he had not married was he okay with that could he do that we both had our journey and it was it was such an incredible time you know it was it was dark and it was hard but I would not trade a moment of any of that. And I share su- that sentiment for, with you. Yeah, um, a, a, a sweeter life is not a good life. No, no, no. Um, a, a life of ease, in my opinion, um, whereby is nice. It, it, it really doesn't test your faith because that's when you, at least for me, that's when I came out of that, that period of time, there's nothing that you can do at this point to convince me that there is not a God and that he does not love me and take care of me. And that does mean even while I'm having brain surgery, that he is with me. I know that there are people that would say he, he could have healed you. You didn't even need to have that surgery. Well, whereby that's true, I am thankful like you for, for going through that because my understanding of peace, my understanding of my faith has been altered to the point where it is so rock solid. There's no changing my mind. God has trusted us, Melanie, both of us. Yes. With giving us this ministry, this challenge, if you will, of brain issues where tumors, where we have to rely on him. And we could use what we learned to bring him glory. And I think that is 
a humbling honor. I totally agree because I, I feel like the leaning on him part was where I grew my faith tremendously, tremendously. So let's go back for a little bit and talk about some of the things that happened during those 10 days, because your book is just rich with what you felt and you even journaled, which I didn't do leading up to mine. And now I'm really regretting that because the feelings I can remember, but it's not as clear as what you remember because you journaled and shame on me as a writer. I did not do that. <laughs> you talked about doubt on the third day. You decided that you needed to focus on God instead of what was happening all around you. What were some things that you did during those 10 days leading up to your surgery that helped you begin to lessen the doubt that you felt? Well, each day really did build on the, the previous one, but I knew that I could trust God's promises. I knew his promises were real. And so I just kept hitting them. I kept going into scripture. I would, I would open myself up in the morning and say, just Lord, talk to me. Let me know what I need to hear today. And so I stayed deep in prayer constantly. And then if I would feel him leading me to a certain passage, I would get into it and I would just spend time there. I would, I would share my, my, my journey with other people. Mm -hmm. Even from the very beginning, I would write letters, emails, because I had a lot of people in my life and I didn't want to just disappear. <laughs> I wanted to let them know that I loved them and that they had made a difference in my life. So by, by looking into to God's face and not looking at the situation that I was in, it was a, I was able to deal with that doubt. It came up every hour. I mean, sometimes, but I had, to, yeah, I had to get into it. I had to fight it back every time, every time it came up. And I think that even leading into my surgery, that morning of, as I'm sitting there with my family and my best friend and with Dr. Caldy, there were moments of doubt. And I had to just keep reminding myself of God's word and what he says about me. And of course, I had prayers that morning. So I, I think doubt is not something that's just a one and done type thing. It's going to keep yeah. popping up. At least for me, I had to just make a decision that I'm not going to allow that in. And so as soon as I started feeling it, I started either praying or saying scriptures that would counteract whatever I was feeling. Right. Because the scriptures don't change. Feelings no. change. Yes. Feelings come, they go. They're high, they're low. But the scriptures you can stand on. I'm going to read something from your journal that was on the fifth day. You wrote, today has been difficult. Every day brings me closer to more unknowns. When I hear the stillness of the night and all I have around me are my thoughts, my soul aches. Lord, help me remember God's purpose wins over my inconvenience, even if that inconvenience is my death. There's so much I don't understand. God, please don't leave me now. Those are some big words right there. Yeah, that was, that was a dark place, you know, and 
like I said, the the more honest honesty I could share with my Savior, the deeper I could go, and I could find other dark places. And yeah, I had to learn that inconvenience. Oh, what was that? In, or, uh, God's purpose wins over my inconvenience, uh, yeah. even if that inconvenience is death. God's purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's purpose wins. Yeah, and it does. And I remember writing letters to my children, explaining that to them. And it was, it was the hardest thing to do. But I loved them. Yes. I, I knew they were going to be angry with God if I died. But that they needed to understand. Yes, yes. And then the next day you wrote something that I think is extremely powerful. You wrote, I embrace this opportunity to ponder my life. I agree with that in that leading up to my surgery, you think back to what you've done. And it's not about your accomplishments. It's more about how you've lived your life. Have you lived faithfully according to what you feel God has been leading you to? Have you loved other people and impacted lives in a purposeful way? That was what I pondered. What did you ponder during those days? Wow. I was so thankful that I had the opportunity to do that because it was, you know, not a lot of people ponder death. They have to face death. You and I did. So we have to, we had an opportunity to pull it apart, pull our lives apart. Yes. And see the, the, the people that influenced our lives. Yes. See the people that had, we had influenced. That's where all of those, those emails and, and I was taking steroids to shrink the tumor. So I was sleeping maybe one or two hours a day. Ugh. So I was, I was up at night writing emails, reading scripture, delving into what I needed to do. But I just spent all that time thinking about how fortunate I was. God really was trustworthy. He really loved me. And he just, he was closer than a brother. I've, I've prayed a lot and I've had prayers answered a lot. And I'm sure you have too. Yes. But there was a sweetness of this time that I could almost feel him wipe my brow. I could almost hear him whisper in my hair because he was that close to me. I felt him in a palpable way, especially that peace that passes understanding. I felt that so intensely. In fact, people around me, especially those that I taught with, leading up to it, I was giddy about the surgery and excited because I have dealt with my Moyamoya disease that they didn't determine what it was until I was 45 years old. It all started when I was two having a stroke at age two and all of the different circumstances in between. And I finally had a name for it. And the solution, albeit brain surgery, was at least something that hopefully would lessen the symptoms and lessen the neurological struggles that I've had. And so that piece that passes understanding was 
just made me go into it confident. And yes, I still question whether or not I was going to live or die, if I was going to be a burden to my family, all of those things. But I'm telling you, I felt an incredible peace. Yeah. And you can't explain that. It's just, no, you just, unless you've been there, like I understand, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I loved probably this sentence in your book more than any other sentence. And probably because I can relate to it a thousand percent. You said a faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. Tell me what you meant by that. When, when you, when I accepted Christ as my savior, I was excited. I was thrilled I had no idea what that meant. I just didn't know. I knew that, I mean, I knew what scripture says. I, I learned that, that through reading more scripture, but to make it personal, yes, to become that Peter, do you love me? Kind of a, a faith. Yes, yes, Lord, I trust you. Well, do you love me? Well, yes. So there are levels of faith, but if it's been tested, if, if you ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm -hmm. if they believe in, in God, they're going to give you a solid answer that you can't shake. And they were literally tested by fire. And they were tested by fire. So if you're tested, you... Nothing can shake you. Like you had said earlier, honey. Yeah. No, there's nothing that anybody can say to you. And it's with me too. I have such a, a confidence. Please, you know, you're going to try to argue God away from me. Yep. Yeah. And it was in the fire. Not that you didn't have the faith before, but that fire, that intense struggle, the, whatever the intense challenges are that any, anyone faces, when you've gone through that and you come out on the other side and you may be a little war torn, you and I have zippers on the side of our head. And yep. for those who don't know what a zipper is, it's, it's our scar from our brain surgery. And I love my zipper. Do you like your zipper? I feel it constantly. Yeah. And, and in your book, you even said you're proud of that scar because it's the outward sign of the battle that you won. And yes. I agree. Yes. I, it's I, fun. It's, it's just incredible to, to share that with people that scars are not ugly. Scars are beautiful. They're proof that you have overcome. That's right. So you're approaching your 10 year brain surgery anniversary. Are you going to do anything at all to celebrate? Um, I never thought about that. Well, um, mine is, my five year is coming up in March. And so we might just have to do some sort of celebration together. I think so. Yeah, we could do a five and 10 because mine's in April. That's right. So we're not too far apart. That's right. So as we are at the end of the show, unfortunately, I want you to share your one takeaway with the listeners. Well, there is so much that I learned through the whole, the whole ordeal. But I learned that God's promises are truly trustworthy that no matter what they are promise his scriptures are true and if he's given you a personal promise about a family member if about a situation 
you know you can take it to the bank. God never lets us down with his promises. No, he doesn't. And I, I think that lesson that you just shared is very valuable, but it's also important for the listeners to know that you've been through the fire and what you're sharing is rock solid truth. Yes. And that's, that's valuable. And I, I hope that those who are listening and they hear you and I talk about our struggles, I don't focus on and I don't let my brain surgery or any of the health struggles that I've gone through be my identity. And I know you don't either because right. I wouldn't be interviewing you if you did. <laughs> and so I think it's important for the listeners to know that there is abundant life after going through the fire. I look back over the last five years since my surgery and God has blown up my world in amazing ways. Yours too? That's incredible. You know, I can't even tell you all the opportunities that have been given to me because of this. The people that I've been able to speak to, the truth that I've been able to speak into situations that I, I never would have had that opportunity if I didn't have this experience. I wouldn't have the credibility. You know, that's, that's the credibility. And for the listeners, I take this very, very seriously that if anybody has an issue that they would want to speak to me about, my website is open. Yes, please share that. Because I would love to answer emails. I would, you know, Second Corinthians 1.4 talks about how God has given us grace so we can give that grace to others. Yes. And I take that very seriously. So can, can you give your website and make sure you spell it? Cause just like your last name is a little unusual. My first name is, so I always yes. have to spell my first name. Right. So if you could give that, because I think it's very valuable what, what you just shared that you're willing to listen to somebody who's struggling. So if you're Absolutely. listening and you are at a point where you feel overwhelmed or uncertain, or you feel doubt, about a situation that you are facing, please, please, please reach out to Robin. Uh, she and I have talked on the phone several times and she's a great listener, but she's also a great encourager. So Robin, please give your uh, website. Sure. Yes, yeah, robinluftig.com. It's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-F is in Frank, T is in Tom, I-G.com. Well, Robin, it has been a tremendous pleasure to spend time with you today. And I am so thankful for your book and there will be your other books listed on the show notes. So make sure that you check out those as well. Thank you for your time today. That's been my pleasure. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah. And we will celebrate coming up uh, in five years. Time. That's right. Even if it's over the internet, we're going <laughs> to celebrate and share cupcakes or something. That's something. All right. Sounds wonderful. It's good, All to, right. good to talk. Yes. Thank you so much, Robin. Bye now. I'm flipping the script today and thanking you for listening first. Because you listen and you tell your friends about the Zigzag in One podcast, these inspirational and encouraging stories are spreading hope to those who are facing zigzags and they benefit from hearing what can be gained during those tough times. So again, thank you. 10 days, 
10 days from the time Robin's doctor delivered the news she had a brain tumor until the day of her surgery. Y'all, 10 days goes by in the blink of an eye. If you and I knew we only had 10 days until we possibly saw Jesus face to face, I wonder, how would we spend our time? Would we reach out to friends and family and tell them how much we love them like Robin did? I'm almost 100% certain all of us would do as Robin did. Or would we pull out our bucket list and mark off as many items as possible? Eh, maybe. Or would we use that time to strengthen our faith and put our complete trust in God's plan even though we don't understand it? This one, this choice, is definitely the hardest but the one with the best outcome. So I'll end today's episode with these powerful words from Robin. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. Until next time, friends, keep moving forward.